0: Welcome and thank you for listening to Waypoint Community Church podcasts. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to Waypoint. My name is Blair. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've been uh, grabbing a life hack off of social media and sharing it with you, which is very fitting because we're in a series called Life Hacks. And the, the idea is to take something small that could save you from headaches and wrecks The thing about this morning is I've got a couple to show you, but I'm nervous about showing it to you because there are a lot of tight wads in our church. And I'm concerned that this stuff might actually show up in your home, and I don't know if it should, because the hack is less about saving you a headache, and it's more about saving you money. I'm just not sure if you should save money this way, okay? So I'm probably going to have to show you so you understand. So let me show you the first life hack. If you want to use something to hold up a recipe book in your kitchen, you could use a pant hanger. Now, honestly, I, I thought, hillbilly, right? I mean, just a little, just a little hillbilly, right? Okay, the next one goes right over the edge. I don't even know if I could convince people who have iPhones to use this, right? If you want to, if you want to hold your iPhone up, you just need a toilet paper roll and some push pins. Can anybody see Mike Greggs using this? I couldn't either. And probably you shouldn't have that on your desk. That's all I'm thinking, don't take that to work and set that for everybody to see. Um, obviously, uh, we're gonna talk about uh, money if you haven't figured that out. And, and generally, uh, if you're a tightwad, you're, you're probably not dealing with some of the stuff that we're talking about, although that's not always the case. We're going to look at four hacks this morning, and one of them applies to everybody. And the rest, uh, the rest are for people who find themselves in difficult places because the, re- the reason we want to talk about money is because if there was ever a place where you could wreck your life and have headaches, it's this. And it produces it for a lot of people. Uh, I don't know why people will go out and seek training for all kinds of things, but this one area of their life, they don't get training, and people are taking cues from a culture that has money backwards, and God has some things to say about it, and we're, I'm hoping that you'll take these little truths, because they could make a big difference in your life when it comes to this area, okay? So we're going uh, to start in Hebrews chapter 13 uh, with our first hack, and uh, we don't know who wrote this. We know that it was written to a broad group of Christians, but this is what this says in verse 5 of chapter 13. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I mean, you read that and I've read this several times in my life and there have been times where I've thought, what in the world do those two things have to do together? Why are they even in the same verse What does loving God and God's faithfulness have to do with anything? And yet, it's not just here. If you pay attention to some warnings that are mentioned in the scriptures and conversations that Jesus has about money, often you'll find that these are together. Because for some reason, it's clear that money has the ability to compete with God, which is odd. It's a thing. It's an inanimate object. How can it compete with the creator of the universe? It, it does it in one really sneaky way. It, um, it's the word security. Money represents security to a lot of people, or the money that you could use to get the thing that gives you security and people, people will gather possessions that give them security. They'll think the money gives them security. They'll think status gives them security. And that money gives them access to that. Here's the thing. See, even a tightwad can get pulled into this. Because if you're saving because you find your security in that thing, you're at risk. There, there's a lot of talk in the church, and I, I actually think it's a good thing, where there's conversations around having financial security, I think most of those conversations are about finding wise ways to use the resources that God gives into your life. But where it can go off the track is that when it starts to become this thing that feeds a security issue in your life, and here's the deal, you're the only one who knows that. You're the only one who knows if you're saving that money because... It gives you a sense of security if you have it. You're the only one who knows that when you go to make that purchase, that you're doing that because you think more would be better, and it would give you a sense of security if you just had more. You're the only one who knows if you're making that purchase to compete with the neighbors or your friends or other people so that they see what you have. This this stuff is like it sneaks into our lives and it permeates because this is what our culture holds. And here's the problem with this. The thing that you place your security in, you give your loyalty to, you give your time to, you give your energy to, it naturally flows to that. And that's why it competes with God. Because the the thing you place your security in gets your time and attention. And here's here's the terrible thing about this. Money gives you a false sense of security. Because if you've talked to people who have adopted the culture's values on this and you ask them, how much possessions are enough? How much money is enough? How much status is enough? You know what their answer is? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. It's never enough. It leaves you craving and chasing and unsatisfied all the time. There is only one thing that grants you contentment and that is trusting a God who understands your needs and your life more than you do. And because you understand that he loves you, you place your security with him and you handle your money in a way that honors God instead of placing it in a place where it becomes your security. Here's the life hack. It's small, Um, But it's difficult. You can choose to love money or God. You should choose wisely. Both of them will represent a different set of security for you. But one is a false sense. And you will have a choice. You can choose to love God or money. You should choose wisely because one will wreck your life and give you headaches and the other one will give you contentment that you can't explain to anybody else because you have this trust in this creator. Hack number one. Hack number two. This one, um, I knew it was bad. When I went and did the research, I was shocked. I I was shocked at how bad it was. this is accepted around the country right now. Uh, all kinds of people have done surveys. They're all arriving at the same conclusion to this simple question: How much money do you have saved? The answer to that is 79% of the people in our country have zero to a thousand dollars, and that's it. I'll show you the little graph. 34% have nothing, 35% Zero. Now, these same people were asked, how many of you are living paycheck to paycheck? Which, in essence, means every dime you make goes to expenses somewhere along the way. And somehow, 78% of people said they're living paycheck to paycheck. It means that 1% has no idea what's going on with their lives, right? They're so clueless they haven't figured out they're living paycheck to paycheck. It's, It's that big. It's that many people who have nothing, all right? Why is that a problem? Well, I want you to see what the scriptures say first, and then we'll talk about the problem. Um, in Proverbs uh, 13, 22, it says this, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. The only way to leave an inheritance, and I get, it, I get that there's all kinds of inheritances that you can leave, but we're talking about money with a section of scripture here, and the only way that you could possibly leave an inheritance is if you've saved something. But if you're, if you're at zero to 1,000, 79% of our country, you're probably not pulling this off. In verse uh, 11 of the same chapter, it says, Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little grows. It grows. Why is this a big deal? Um, we're talking, by the way, about the habit of saving. That's what they're describing here. This incremental little, little by little growth of savings over time. And um, it's not done to give you a sense of security. It's done because you're wise. Why? If you've lived it all. You can, you can be a teenager and you already know this. Life isn't easy There are bumps in the road, there are twists and turns you can't see coming, and I don't know why, but a lot of them have to do with money. You don't choose to get into an accident or to get sick, but it can happen to you, and you'll need resources for that. You you wanna make some life choices that go in this direction or that direction, but you can't because there's no resources for you to do that. Things break down that you need, often, at the worst possible time. And this is what happens. With bumps in the road, if you have wisely saved some money, you can put yourself in a position to pay for that and to get back up and to keep moving. But for a lot of people, the smallest disruption wrecks their life, creates headaches for them because there's no margin. They have nothing saved. Now, um, because of, I've, I've had this conversation with so many people over the years, and I know, I know the standard response. I would save money if I, if I could, but I can't because I'm, I have too many expenses, and you're nailing it, you're, you're hitting it right on the head, because when it comes down to financial stuff, there's only two solutions generally to your problems. You either make more money, or you find a different way to spend what you make. And how many people do you think believe that the best solution is to make more money? Almost all of them. But from what I've seen, I watched watched a son of mine who was financially wrecking his life finally have the light bulb go off that maybe it would be wise if I followed God's advice and saved some money. And in a year's time, he squirreled away $5,000. He wasn't making very much. But he did that on the spending side. I'm not not saying this to be insulting to you. I don't know your situation. But I've watched a lot of people go through this, and I'm convinced that if you wanna find a way to start saving little by little, you're gonna have to take control on the spending side of what you're doing. Uh, Because of that, I wanna give you some practical things that I think you could do. This is the one that I've, when I've talked to people about this, They often say, what you're saying is impossible. I can't. I'd save if I could. So let me give you some options that you maybe should consider for real practical steps to get to a place where you could save little by little, okay? Um, Number one, I'm just going to give you five quick ones. Number one, you should have a budget. A lot of people hate those because they think they're restricting. I think they're freeing. They, they help you understand that you've saved money for all of your expenses and that they're going to be covered at some point and now you're just working the plan. If you have a budget, you can do this next one. Um, with your uh, pay, if you get paid on a weekly basis, you get 52 checks a year. But most of those months, you only get four. Well, what if you could figure out how to live on four checks every month? A budget would help you do that. If you're getting paid bi-weekly, you get 26 checks. You could learn to do this on two checks a month. That means that a couple times a year or four times a year if you are pay weekly, you get a check that's outside of your budget. And you could use a lot of that as savings. My wife and I have done this over the years, and we've found that as a way to say, this is found money. Like, we don't need it in our budget, so we're, we're going to save it but you have to have a budget in order for you to pull this one off, okay? Now, number three. This is a really simple thing that you could do. Do a 50-50 split with your raises and found money. If if you um, were just given a raise, you can go and look at how much did I make last year, how much am I gonna make now, and then split the difference 50-50. Put half of that aside. You weren't living on that before. So you didn't need it. You were finding a way to get by. So if you, if you split it 50-50 and you start saving that and you do that year after year after year, after five years, you'll be shocked at how much money you're able to put aside and save every paycheck. It's just because it's a little bit followed by a little bit, followed by a little bit. Um, a fourth thing that you could do, save your tax return. I know, it's crazy. Everybody says, no, go out and get something big. Go do something that you're going to love, right? If you don't have any savings, if you're in that 79% of people, put that aside and save it. Decide that that's not going to be fun money. That's going to be some money that you're going to put aside for bumps in the road and, and that you'll be wise about that. Fifth one, this is just a simple little thing. If your business that you're working at, has a matching 401k, you should be involved in that. There is no other investment that you will find in your life where you can get 100% return on your money in one year. But you could there. If they just, if they just offer 3% and you put in 3%, you now have saved 6% of your money for a year. That's little by little. The wisdom from the scriptures isn't, that you have to go and find a way to gather huge sums right away it's doing it little by little making wise choices and decisions the, the value of this is that when you decide to save you actually have to live a different kind of life because the people that you're around they're spending every dime they can and if you've decided to keep up with them if you've decided you wanna look like they look then you're gonna have to do the same thing But if you can accept a different lifestyle, a different choices that you can make, you can start saving some money. Little by little, it would be a wise thing for you to do. Okay? Little by little, it grows. Let me take you to um, Proverbs 22, 7 for our next hack. Um, Quite simply, debt is not your friend. Debt is not your friend. Listen to what the scriptures have to say the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender uh... there's been a lot of attention on the rich ruling over the poor in our country a lot of people up in arms over the one percent having those kind of conversations i wish they would pay as much attention to the other side the fact that if you're a borrower you are putting yourself in a very difficult spot can i give you an example Tracy and uh, I decided that it would be a really good idea for her to go back to school. She wanted to work, um, but we wanted to have her to do some kind of work that was fulfilling for her. So for three years, she went to IUSB, and using grants and uh, different scholarships, and we paid some cash, three years she went without us incurring any debt, and we got to a place where we realized that her ability to finish at that school was going to be diminished. It wasn't probably going to happen. And the school that she was going to have to go to was going to be very expensive. And the only way for us to do that is if we took on some debt. And so we, w- with our eyes wide open, we made that choice. And, um, and she went and she got that education that allowed her to get a job. But here's the thing. I, I hate that. And we were aggressively paying that down until, um, until I found out that her workplace offered a benefit where they would pay up to $9,000 of that school bill and, um, over a period of years. And so I slowed down. Like I was like, let's back this down. I think I'd like to get $9,000 from somebody else. But here's the, here's the way this works. My wife works full time because she has to. We have debt. It's in charge. We'd like to use that money for other things, but it gets first priority because it has to be paid. And so we've become a slave to that thing that we're indebted to. And people have done this with all kinds of things. The worst is um, if when you put yourself in a place with credit cards because they charge you a huge interest rate and they ask you to pay it back slowly and they are bleeding you dry. They are taking you to the cleaners. And a lot of people haven't figured out that you've become a slave to that. What you want to do, the priorities that you want to set, the direction that you want to go in life, you don't get to do that until your debt's paid. Now there's, there's some debt that I get There's some like housing stuff. But even then, some people stretch and they put themselves in a terrible position where they're now a slave to that. It owns them. It's not your friend. You want to get to a place where that stuff is paid off and you have some freedom. I know a few people who've recently paid off their homes and the relief they talk about like, they're, they're talking about early retirement, they're talking about all kinds of things that they didn't have options to even consider until that happened. Uh, why? Because debt's not your friend. You've become a slave and you will work for it. And until you can get rid of it, it will own your life and push you around. I know. I'm dealing with it too. Okay? Um, last hack. Uh, this one... Uh, this one is important, but it also comes with a risk. And the reason it comes with a risk is I think, uh, quite truthfully, the church should probably be talking about money more. And one of the reasons it doesn't is because people make a lot of assumptions about, um, about church's motives, about my motives. Uh, I know this firsthand. We... A couple years ago, uh, my wife and I built a home. We had dreamed about doing that for a long period of time. And uh, people didn't know our situation. They didn't know how much equity we had in the home that we sold. They didn't know how um, we managed stuff on our expenses side. They didn't, know, like, they, didn't, they didn't know all the details of that. But we were confronted with people who made assumptions that the church had gone out of its way to give us extra money so that we could live there. They didn't know that my wife was now working. They didn't know all of that kind of stuff. And we considered selling our house for a while, because we um, we're like, what do we do? None of that's true, but here we are, kind of labeled with this thing that the church the church has done some terrible stuff when it comes to money. I can't I can't necessarily fault people for having those kind of thoughts. It's just hard when they're laid on you. We um, we've made some decisions about money, so that so that on days like this, I can tell you what I think is true, and and that you won't assume the worst about why I'm saying what I'm saying. This wisdom that I'm about to share with you has been around for a long period of time, and I believe it's one of the best antidotes for all of the problems that come with money. It starts in Psalm 37, 21. The wicked borrow and do not repay. Just in case, if you were wondering, If God expected you to be a slave to your debt, to not pay that puts you in a category that is not flattering in God's eyes. You should repay what you borrow. But this is what it says, but the righteous give generously. You have have choices. You can be the kind of person who takes. You can be the kind of person who gives. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You just, you just read one of the reasons um, that Waypoint makes some of the choices that we make when it comes to money around here. If you have noticed, we don't pass a plate, we don't do those sorts of things because we think there's a couple boundaries that we've got to adhere to. Uh, we've got to find a way um, so that people aren't doing this reluctantly. Oh, somebody's watching. Somebody thinks I'm going to be doing this. I've got to do this because people are watching what I'm going to do. And they give it, but they give it reluctantly. Or compulsion, where there, there becomes a heavy sales pitch, where we're asking and demanding money. Um, it's a boundary that God says, no, that's not what I want for my people. What I want is people who are willingly, cheerfully, doing this. So here's some of the things we've chosen to do over time. I don't get a report, this is odd by the way, in the church world. I do not get a report on who gives or doesn't give money at Waypoint. Never comes across my desk. Because I believe my role is to love whoever's in our community, period. And I don't want somebody to suggest that I'm responding or reacting to somebody because of their giving or their status doesn't have anything to do with that. And I don't know. I don't know who's doing what. And I have no intention of ever finding out. Because I need to be able to stand here and tell you this. You should give somewhere. If it's not here at Waypoint, I don't care. You should give money because it acts as an antidote for all of those things that we just talked about. See, if you think money's your security, The thing that you might have to do to start putting it in its place is to give it away. To say, no, I'm gonna actually give to something that I care about more, which is God's kingdom. When when people give money to Waypoint, I don't look at it as Waypoint's money. I see it as God's money, and I'm responsible for how we're gonna use that. So I've become a tightwad of sorts. The staff kind of mock me sometimes. We'll spend when it's right, But otherwise, I'm trying to find a way to be careful with it because it's it's God's resource in this. And you should find a way to give into God's kingdom. It it changes your focus. Um, If you give, it's just like the habit you have to have with saving. You have to change your life. It requires a different kind of life, which I love. This is what God's asking from you in the first place. He's asking you for a different kind of thinking, a different kind of way of life, and sometimes the way you get that is you give some of the money away that you could have spent on you and yours, and it forces you into a different kind of life that's beneficial for you. It makes you have priority questions about the debt that you want to take on. Does this harm my ability to give? If I've I've loaded myself down with this debt, Does that remove me from the ability to give? Because there is something incredible about you choosing to give away cheerfully the resources that God has gifted you with. And I think if you're not doing it, you could start to incrementally do these things in your life as well. Find a little. Start practicing it. Find something that you're passionate about that's going on with God's kingdom and start Funding it. Start giving it your money. What you will find is your loyalty, your time and your energy will be drawn to that, to God's kingdom, to his work, to him. Instead of that thing that's giving a false sense of security. I I don't know where you'll do this or not, um, but I would strongly recommend that you find a way to give. Now here's the thing. If you're not doing any of these things, like if I, I'm hoping that I'm talking to a room of people who are going duh Blair, but I'm just looking at the stats in our culture and I'm, I'm guessing that that's not the case. There's a lot of people here with a lot of financial difficulties. That You've got the headaches and the wrecks happening because you've taken on some of the culture's way of doing things. Here's what I'd like you to consider doing. You need to get some training You need to decide to invest some of your time and your money to go and get the training that you need. So Waypoint is going to offer a class. It costs money. We don't get a dime. The organization who does this called Financial Peace University collects all of that money because they believe that you have to have skin in the game for you to take their advice seriously. Our volunteer is giving her time because she has seen the wrecks and the headaches that money has caused in people's lives, and she doesn't want that for you. So she's doing all of that on her own as a volunteer. Um, The information is out at the info center. If you're wondering, what in the world could I expect? Well, you could expect it to look a little bit like this.
1: Financial Peace University began about 20 years ago, and now today we've had over one and a half million families go through this course. This is the place where we start happening to our money, where we start aiming our dollars at our goals. You gotta make your money behave. You work too hard to get to the end of your life and be broke. There's a massive group of people out there trying to sell you stuff. They want to interrupt your plan. Don't cash out your 401k. I know your 401k looks like a 201k. Remain calm. The only people that get hurt on a roller coaster are those that jump off. God's all in this thing. He's all about fixing you. He's all about fixing me. There's a redemption story built into this whole thing. And every time I give, every time I understand I'm not an owner, I move along that spectrum from selfish to selfless. Now, this is a boot camp. I'm your coach. I've had some good coaches, and they lit me up a time or two, but it caused me to go places I couldn't go otherwise. You change your life when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, or you say, I've had it this is how you get out of debt you gotta run for your life you gotta run 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 you gotta bust it you gotta go like your life depends on it what would happen to the kingdom of god if the people of god were out of debt how much of this world could we as believers change
0: yeah a lot of that If you haven't done that class before, strongly recommend that you put yourself in a place where you're understanding what God has to say about this and piece by piece, you can start protecting yourself from the wrecks and the headaches that are gonna come. Don't be part of the 79% who get to the end of their lifetime, have nothing and struggle hard. There's a different way, it's God's way. And I I hope you'll put yourself in a position to listen to his wisdom. Can I pray with you real quick? Uh, God, uh, when it comes to money, it's a touchy subject. Uh, The church has not done uh, the world of service on this. We've had uh, people who've ripped people off, who've uh, gathered money for their own endeavors, bigger and better and stronger but it doesn't change the fact that your wisdom is wisdom. And I ask you would help us to get past all of that smoke, all of the distraction, and to take an honest look at what the scriptures have to say about what you have to say about our money. Give us the courage to lean in and to start living in a way that honors you, that avoids the wrecks, that doesn't place our security in a false place that just keeps robbing us. God, I ask that you would um, work through this crowd right now. You know the people who need to step up and go to that class, they, they need help. So I ask that you, um, your spirit, would just nudge them, push them, and that they would make a decision to start getting this area of their life right. We love you don't want to wreck our lives. We want to honor you. Give us wisdom in this area, in Jesus' name. Amen. We are so glad you're able to experience what's happening here at Waypoint Community Church through our podcasts. Our prayer is that these resources are a blessing to you. Please be sure to catch us again next time.